God is so good. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord is so great. God is so great. We had Sunday night in our church the best service I think we've ever had. And I wasn't able to sleep Sunday night because this just kept going over and over and over in my mind. Uh, yesterday I decided, after looking at my busy schedule, that I didn't have enough time to do everything. So I decided I would do none of them. And I stayed at home in the family room in prayer. And then I came to service last night. And I couldn't sleep last night because all of this was going over in my mind. Now, I know that I'm just going to run out of steam here someplace. I hope I don't during this message. <clears throat> but I, I'm feeling this way. I, I attended a general board meeting last week. And the truth of the matter is, of all the things that I do in my life, for the Lord, the general board meetings are the most unpleasant. Now, some men like to go. I just don't. That's just the way it is. Last year, I slipped on the ice and dislocated a vertebrae in my neck, and I really felt it was the will of the Lord because I missed the general board meeting, and I thought it was a good, <laughs> a good trade-off. <laughs> I meant stay home and have a headache or go there and have a headache. I, <clears throat> but it, it came to me in this last general board meeting how important those meetings really are. If you have ever prayed for a body of men, you need to pray for this body because these men give direction to the entire church. We can give direction or we can sit on things to cause things not to happen. And it just came to me one morning in devotion as I was praying that my attitude relative to what I was doing there was not right. Now, I don't know how many other general board members have the same idea, but I think some of them do, because a lot of them come late and leave early, and I know that they're pressing things, but I really don't know of anything that I do that's more important than that. I just felt the awesomeness of it, and the reason why is because I heard report after report after report of things that God is doing. Now, I'm not for sure that I'm going to stick with the subject. Uh, there is one thing that uh, you hear about preaching quite often. Uh, I hear people say, if this preacher would just stick to the subject. Well, if I don't give you the subject, <laughs> you don't expect me to stick to it. <laughs> And I think, really, when you look in the Bible at the great sermons that were preached, if there's anything that we probably, as ministers, are in a rut uh, about, and that is sermonizing. And you are expecting that. The ministers of the Bible ministered to the needs of the people and quite often did jump subject boundaries. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Now there is a flow, there's a continuity uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus did change the subjects. Last year, Brother Meadows entitled my session Potpourri, and I think what he was trying to do 
is trying he was trying to fit he was trying to put a title on what he thought I'd be doing <laughs> and this year I asked him and he said it doesn't make any difference just do whatever you want to do <laughs> so <laughs> Sunday night I spoke on renewal in our church and I I'm I'm still obsessed with this idea. The reason why that I'm obsessed with this because I have come to the conclusion that life's greatest challenge for me is just to stay spiritual. I'm serious with you. Just to stay spiritual. And the bottom line of Christianity, as Brother Tenney so well put it last night, is relationship. Just to follow Jesus. That's the bottom line of it. Now, I think it'd be wise for me to just come right out and tell you that we are all questing for something deep and something great in God. We might as well to just come out and tell you what we want to see. I have come to the conclusion that the evangelization of the world is impossible until we reach a point that we have such a move of God that sinners find it extremely difficult in our presence to resist God. <clears throat> I think it's going to be that way. I think it was that way in the Bible. I have carefully combed through the pages of the New Testament looking at revival efforts. And it appears to me, you know, if you read the book of Acts, it's almost like a sales pitch for God. Great fear came upon the people. That's what the Bible says. Great grace you find the word great. Everything was great. Great mercy was shown. Great miracles were performed. They had great moves of the Spirit. Now, what we're doing, we're all wanting something great. We are at the crossroads where we're trying to decide. And we want to decide to do the right things. For the most part, you know, we're talking about supernatural results. But we cannot expect supernatural results until we render supernatural service. I'm talking about service that could not be rendered, impossible to be rendered, without an, an unction a drive from the Holy Ghost. And it will not come. And I want to address this. To our Madison folks, you'll hear some things that I talked about Sunday night. But I want to start by reading Titus 3, verse 5. One verse... And it just contains the word renewing. Prior to knowing what the global conquest theme would be this year in our district, we had our annual church planning session. And I'd call Brother Cisco and ask him what the national theme was. And he said they had not chosen one. We chose a simple theme in our church, and the theme is renew in 92, because we are feeling at Calvary Gospel Church that a renewal is in order. Now, I told you about being, or about it being difficult to resist the Holy Ghost, I remember preaching one time, and right in the middle of my message, there was a commotion out in the vestibule of the church, 
All of a sudden, the door opened. A young man ran inside like he was out of breath, sat down in the, in the pew only for a moment or two, jumped up, ran down to the altar, fell on his face, and started weeping. I detected that the young man was very sincere. We gathered around him and started praying for him. And as we began to pray, all of a sudden, this young man's complexion just changed. He just got very uh, frightful. You could tell fear came upon him. It was almost like he was about ready to faint. He lost his color. He started shaking. He turned around and took out, ran to the back door, and you could hear the coat rack, the hangers jingling. All of a sudden, the door slammed, and we all just stood there wondering what was going on. So we said, well, let's pray for him. We you know, I'd stop preaching. We didn't know what else to do. So we started praying, and we, we prayed, and about the time we were gaining our composure and getting the service back, in order, all of a sudden, boom, the door again. The coat racks were jingling, coat uh, hangers were jingling. All of a sudden, the back door opened, and here he came. Ran down to the altar, fell down, and started weeping and crying. I said, what in the world is going on? We gathered around him, and we began to pray for him. Because of the hunger that he had, it was quite evident that God was moving in his heart and he would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And sure enough, in a moment's time, he was speaking with other tongues as his spirit gave the utterance. Well, <clears throat> once we settled down a little bit, gained our composure again, we began to talk with him. What happened? I mean, what's going on here? He said, well, I don't know. I thought maybe somebody could tell me. He said, I was coming down the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, it was like a fear got a hold of my heart, but a strange kind of fear. Normally, when you get a fear, you run from something. But this time, I thought I should run toward the church. And he said, when I got near the church, he said, I got faster and faster and faster. When I got inside, he said, I couldn't wait till I got in the pew. When I sat down, I couldn't wait till you stopped preaching. You had made reference that at the end of the message that an opportunity would be given to people who needed to know the Lord to come and kneel, and you explained what would be happening. And something said, you cannot wait. You must go now. But he said, while I was praying, another fear came upon me, but a different kind of fear. A fear that wanted to drive me away. There was a voice inside that said, get out of here. And it kept on screaming my, in my ear, get out of here. And he said, sure enough. He said, I listened to that voice and I took out just like I came in. I grabbed my coat and he said, I ran two blocks as hard as I could down the sidewalk. But all of a sudden, this first fear came back over me. And another voice spoke to me, a different voice that said, you must go back. You must go back. And he said, I stopped and stood there momentarily, and the voice got louder. And he said, I listened to that voice. And I ran two blocks back to the church and the voice was speaking to me. Go back. Get back. Get back down there. Pray. The Holy Ghost was very, very difficult for this young man to resist. The atmosphere in the church was explosive. He couldn't shake it. And you know what? We need that, not in just one service, but we need it in all of our services. Praise God. 
People eager to get baptized. I was in the tank ready to baptize a young man that had given his heart to the Lord. Actually, I had prayed this young man through to the Holy Ghost over the telephone. I said, take the telephone off, and he did. Kneel down by your bedside, he did. And I gave him instructions, and he received the Holy Ghost at home as I talked to him over the telephone. But while I was talking in the baptismal tank, the young man, all of a sudden, he just cut his hands together like this and just dove in. I mean, dove in. He got underneath the water and he was shaking himself like this. And he came up out of the tank and he said, In Jesus' name! We didn't know what was going on. I said, hold it just a minute, hold it. He said, that's the problem. He said, you talk too much. I can't wait. (laughs) Don't make me wait, he said. I'll baptize myself. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. Oh, <laughs> Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now the word renewal or renew or renewing carries with it the same connotation as revival in many cases. Revival means to live again or to be revived. Revival is for the saints. You cannot live again without previously living. Now, renewal, however, does go one step further than that. It also applies to the unregenerated man or the man who's never been born again. In this respect, it simply means that he is renewed or he has made new by the Holy Ghost or he is born again. But after we have been born again, there is that constant rejuvenation that is needed. And as I said before, the bottom line is just to to know the Lord. It's a relationship. Colossians 3, 5. I want to talk about renewed through knowledge. Colossians 3, verse 5. A beautiful scripture. Now, there's a good number of scriptures here that I would like to read. For the sake of time, I'll not read all of these, but... If you'd read verse 5 through 10, let's read verse 5 and then we'll skip to verse 10. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now we never think of a person who has a greedy covetous spirit as being involved in idolatry. We think of idolatry as the worship of idols. But the Bible is simply saying that you can set yourself up as your own God. And this is idolatry. Verse 10, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. The new man is renewed in knowledge. Just to know the Lord is one of the most valuable things in your entire life. If I can increase my relationship with God, if I can enhance my fellowship with God, To have experiences with Him. I've always tried my best to personalize 
my relationship with the Lord. Quite often I catch myself going someplace and talking to God just like I would talk to a friend. Now if I feel a spirit oppressing me, the pressure, and you can feel that every now and then, I like to just go into church and pull my coat off and roll my sleeves up and go hard against the gates of hell. I like to do that. But there are many times in which I like to go into my family room. It's a, it's a place for me to pray. I like to sit down in the recliner. I like to kick it back. I like to turn the lights off. And I like to pretend. And I think it really is more than that. That Jesus is right there conversing with me just like I would be conversing with you. And some of the most strengthening moments of my life have come out of those times in which I was very deep in conversation with God. After my dad passed away and I hadn't no one to give me counsel as a son. I found myself pulling up a chair, sitting in it, pulling up another chair, and saying, Lord, you're the only father I have now. Talk to me like I'm your child. I need counsel. I feel I'm in trouble. I just need your help. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Oh, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. Hallelujah. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, he talks about spiritual gifts and he talks about faith. He said, every man, according to the measure of faith that's given to him. I made a statement last evening. Now, some of the things that I'm talking about, some of you preachers have heard me mention these things before. But for the sake of a, a broad spectrum of, all, of people from various churches, especially lay people, I want to go over some of these things. You know, I really do feel, you know, and, but God speaks to you in many different ways. He speaks to you through your minister. He speaks to you through the Word. He speaks to you by impression. There are a lot of different ways. But I have come to the conclusion that you cannot have faith without hearing the voice of God. That's what causes faith within you. You know, if you read Hebrews, the 11th chapter, uh, there's just no doubt about it that when you read down through this roll call of the faithful, every man that you read about, you can trace back their response to God to a point in which they heard the voice of God they knew God was telling them. Now you can wander through life praying your little simple prayers and not getting a hold of God and become most confused in the area of faith. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. That God will speak to every man. He may not speak to you about every move that you make or every move that you feel that you should make. But you can always trace back that source of faith that's causing you to move 
when you feel that you have not heard the voice, you can trace it back to the time that you did hear the voice of God. And if you're wanting your faith to increase, you need a better relationship with God. And you need to stay with God until you know you have heard from Him. I say you need to stay with God until you know you have heard from Him. Now, let's turn to Romans 12, and we'll, we'll talk about renewal from a, a little different angle then. Now, rather. Romans 12, verse 1 and verse 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's talk about renewing for the sake of knowing His will. Renew through knowledge to know Him. Renew for the sake of knowing His will. You see, God binds Himself to me only for this present moment. Now let me explain this. You see, when when I came to the altar, God forgave me of all my past and promised never to remember it again. Several years ago, we just had a a little idea that we needed to, to elevate a lot of people who have been in sin, and they gave their testimonies throughout our churches. Now, I'm not knocking these men, please understand, because I was guilty of Soliciting, inviting, and promoting this. But it dawned on me that God really is not interested in what they came out of. And if God is not interested, neither should I be. And this was having an adverse effect, especially upon our young people. Some of our young people thought it was funny that somebody was smothered with a pillow or that they took drugs until they lost their brains. That's not funny. The Bible teaches us to be simple concerning the things that are this world. You see, God has forgotten all of that. But sometimes we don't forget it because we keep bringing it up. But the truth of the matter is, God has forgotten it. And you do not impress God because you were some gigantic, great, deep, dark sinner. You don't impress God with that. He forgets it. Another thing that I want to call your attention to, you really don't impress God too much with all of your promises about what you intend to do tomorrow. Because God never blesses you nor binds you to what you intend to do. That life with God is based upon this present moment. Now we can fully understand that when we see people come to the altar, repent of their sins, give their life to the Lord, and have such a great time, and two or three days later they're back out in sin. You say, now how could, if they got what I got, they wouldn't be doing that. Well, that's not really true. They got what you got because they believe God just like you believe God that moment in which they receive the Holy Ghost. God refuses to look at your past when you repent, and He refuses to look at your future. And binds himself to you for this present moment. For that reason, God can give you the Holy Ghost now 
and you could leave straight from this church and go do whatever you want to do. Now, I said that to say this, that the reason why that most of us struggle with the will of God is because we're always looking at future tense. To better know the will of God. I said to better know the will of God. How many of you feel like you just like to know the will of God for your life? All right, see, what happens is this, that quite often, without any lead up, I just ask this question, and, and almost 100% of the hands are lifted. And I think the reason why we're missing God is because we're, we're, we're too futuristic in this respect. That, that we're always looking, you know, across the years, across the months. And the will of God is a very simple thing when it is performed on a daily basis. In other words, if you cannot discipline yourself to do the will of God now, why should God feel obligated to talk to you about the future? But a person who disciplines himself this moment to do the will of God, he will open, he will walk through open doors and give little or no concern about what happens tomorrow and find himself leading a very exciting, fulfilled life. See, here's what happens. Brother Tenney gets up and preaches, Sister Mangan gets up and preaches. And, and, and a bulk of the people think about what they're going to do tomorrow. And the best thing to do, if we want to be in one mind and one accord, we have to get our mind off of tomorrow. Tomorrow has not come. Don't intend to be spiritual, just be spiritual right now. I mean, get your mind on God right now. Don't talk about praying tomorrow. Pray now. Don't talk about worshiping tomorrow. Worship now. Don't talk about miracles for tomorrow. Let's believe God for now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not what we're going to do. It's what we're doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't have my mind on what I'm going to do in Madison Thursday. I've got my mind on what I'm doing right now. If you always work for the future and only for the future, you miss out on something exciting now. We're, we built a, a new building and just a fellowship hall and, and educational facilities, and we built it. Uh, with the future in mind, we're going to build a new auditorium. When we started drawing up plans, well, we had some men said, well, we'll draw this up and we'll convert it into this. And, and later on, and it's always for the future. And one couple asked a very important question. They said, now, we understand the value of building for the future. But if we're always building something for the future so that it's not convenient for us now, isn't it true that we're going to be pouring thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in something that's never ideal for us now? Well, it kind of startled me. I think they're right. And that one little statement caused us to review our thinking. Is it right to so build for the future that you miss out on something exciting for now? Let's live it now. Let's enjoy it now. We might not have tomorrow. Now, I want to go through something. I, I did go through this with our district uh, department heads, and I mentioned this at our men's retreat, but... This business about the will of the Lord is so very important. If you notice, 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the formula for knowing the will of God. Anybody comes to me and says, I'm having problems with the will of God. I said, have you read Romans 12, 1 and 2? Well, sure. I said, well, that's, I can't add a whole lot to this. But I do know this, that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is teaching us that we must present our bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, we must die out to self. This I have noticed about people. They come into church after receiving the Holy Ghost. They really care. They care about people. As a result, they run out and they begin to witness. They begin to talk to people about the Lord. God moves upon them and uh, they begin to grow in the Lord. After a while, they stop doing the jail ministries. They stop the bus ministry. They teach in Sunday school classes. And you will find this out, that quite often that, you know, they care as much now as they used to care. It's just that their care is in different areas. They're caring more about themselves. Usually the new converts are the ones that we send out on the streets and we get them to do the dirty work, so to speak. And it seems like the more you grow in Christ, the easier it is to perform your ministry without genuinely caring. Could I say this? As a superintendent, because my work by and large is administrative type work, I could do what I'm doing and a lot of people would be happy even if I never turn my hand to help anybody. And as a pastor, I can stand behind the pulpit and preach and never personally become involved in anything other than preaching. And I have enough people in our church that I could keep the status quo and probably retire from active duty and preach three times a week. And by the time I died... I'd still have some people around to make my living for me. And we say that we care, but see, what happens is that where we used to care for those, we begin to care for ourselves. Then we become frustrated. We have church problems. We don't know the will of God. Now, we must die out to self. Paul says in Philippians, the, 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 the third chapter, in Philippians 3, verse 17, he said, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, whose end is destruction, but here are three things that he calls your attention to whose God is their belly. In other words, their innermost desire is to please themselves. And they glory and they shame. In other words, their attitude gets bad, so they brag about things that they do that's wrong. I have heard preachers brag about things, bad attitudes that they've had. And they would brag about telling somebody off, or I did this, or I did that. It's, it, it, it was, it, some of those things are not even funny. And then they say, Paul says, who mind earthly things. You see, the cross is a symbol of self-denial. And for us to be friends of the cross, we must live a life in which self is crucified. Now, the last part of this, who mind earthly things, I'm going to give you a great revelation. This will be the deepest thought that you'll hear today. Who mind earthly things, that's... The interpretation of that is this, 
they keep their mind on earthly things. Isn't that deep? God has blessed the United Pentecostal Church. It blessed many of you. And God warned Israel, when you go into the promised land, you better beware, because you're going to live in houses that you did not build. And you're going to eat from vineyards that you did not plant. And you're going to live in cities whose walls you did not construct. So beware when you go there. Because after a while you begin in receiving these blessings to care so much about yourself that you offer yourself daily security in earthly things. Isn't this what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 13 when he talked about the seed that fell on thorny ground? He spoke of the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. Now let me give you another deep, dark, mysterious revelation. The cares of this world are the things you should care about, but you care too much. There are certain things you need to take care of, but not at the expense of putting God secondary. Well, we're in this subject. We might as well have just explained a little bit more. Let's go to Matthew, the sixth chapter. This is, this is just such a, a, a simple thing. Jesus gives us the cure for anxiety. Therefore I say unto you, verse 25, Take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic to his stature? I remember when Wilt Chamberlain played basketball, he was the first seven-foot man to hit the court. He was considered a giant. I recently read that up to 70 NBA players can be found on the floor any given night that are seven-foot and tall. Our world is getting bigger. Someone came to me and said, Now, you cannot add to your stature one cubic. That's not what he said. He said, You can't do it just by taking thought. Well, Chamberlain did not grow seven foot by sitting around and just thinking. He had to do some eating. And what the Lord is saying is this, that the problem with people is they feel that worrying over things will cure it. You can't one add one moment to your life by thinking of longevity. You can't add one inch to your stature by thinking about it. Worrying will not cure it. If you want to have a longer life, read the Bible. Eat right. Exercise. <laughs> you can't do it just by thinking. And if you want to grow taller, if you're a young person and you have not reached maturity... By thinking. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory shall not be arrayed like one of these. Now we want to go on down to verse 33. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I, I think that this would be all right if I tell this. Sister Jeanette, I want to talk about Jeanette Dykema, who is sitting right back here, is one of the greatest prayer warriors I have ever pastored. I'm sincere when I say that. She came to me several months ago. Jeanette was frustrated. She was confused. She was struggling with the will of God. So she began to point out all of her frustrations. I said, hold it just a minute. What have you been doing about all this? She said, Brother Grant, I have prayed about my job. I have prayed about my future. I have prayed about my marital status. Well, that's a common thing, isn't it? I hear that I hear that every day from singles. And she said, you know, it's like God is not answering. I said, could I tell you something that will help you? Would you try this for two weeks? Would you forget about all these things that relate to self? And would you thrust yourself into a picture bigger than self and seek the kingdom of God and see what happens? Two weeks later, Jeanette came to me and said, Brother Grant, it works. Let me tell you something. If you want to get confused as a pastor, start praying about your church building program all the time. If you want to get confused as a saint, pray about that new home every day. If you want to get confused as a saint, pray about your job every day. Now you may say, you mean I'm not supposed to pray about those things? Not at the expense of making His kingdom secondary. And we have a monumental problem because, and I put myself into this, as pastors we have promoted that we should tell the Lord precisely what we want, where we want to work, what kind of house we live in, what kind of clothes we wear, what kind of car we drive, what kind of building we want to put up. And we have done it at the expense of making the kingdom of God secondary. And as sure as Jesus gave us a cure for anxiety, I'm here to tell you all you have to do to, to come up with a formula for confusion is to reverse the process. Pray about your food. Pray about your clothes. Pray about your job. Pray about your marriage. Pray about your building program. And put the kingdom of God secondary and see what happens. Sister Jeanette came up to me and said, Brother Grant, this works. She said, I have put myself into a, the picture of something bigger than self. You know what's happening, she said? I feel that my job is much better than what I thought it was. I feel that where I live is a much better home. And what I thought. The secret to being content in any state you're in is to put that state secondary to the kingdom of God. So we are renewed in our minds. We have to change our minds about certain things. I guess, Brother Tenney, it would be all right if I read the resolution we had about the general conference, wouldn't it? I just want you to hear this. We received so many great reports of the way the Lord is moving in the foreign field and here abroad, or here in the States, 
and feeling that we all need to know the will of God in a greater measure than ever before. Because of the theme of our conference, Exalting Jesus in the 90s, and after a sweeping move of God that just knocked us flat in our general board meeting, here's a resolution that came out of that board meeting which applies to the Salt Lake City Conference. Listen to this. Be it resolved that the 1992 General Conference be get dedicated to evangelism and revival with special emphasis on prayer and preaching. Be it further resolved that for this conference there be no promotions, no banquets, no public presentation of awards, and that offerings be eliminated or limited only to the most essential. Be it further resolved that the executive board be responsible for the planning and organizing of the entire conference. Be it further resolved that in light of the theme, exalting Jesus in the 90s, that no individual be exalted so that no flesh can glory in his presence. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let's talk about renewing for the sake of inner strength and renewing for the sake of physical strength. And I'll not read the Scriptures. I only have five minutes. 2 Corinthians 4.12 speaks of renewing the inner man day by day in the Holy Ghost. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verse 29, and also 41 Verse 1, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This seems to talk of physical strength. Whereas 2 Corinthians 4.16 talks of inner strength. Recently I was reading a book and it was about successful men. And this writer was explaining that in all the people that he had talked to about the formula for success, what causes people to be successful? That the only common denominator, whether the person is successful in a spiritual adventure or in a carnal one, the only common denominator that is found in all successful men is this. That all successful men are first obsessed with an idea and they become slaves to that obsession. And that's the only common denominator. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament, how that 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 Jacob bought the birthright, Esau sold the birthright, Esau should have been the inheritor of his father's blessings. But the Bible makes it very clear that the elder who should have received it became a servant to the younger. I have two birthdays. I was born... November 14th, 1940. My body is 51 years of age. I received the Lord April 15th, 1961. My inner man is 30. Now I'm pointing out something here that's very important. We, rene- we need to be renewed inwardly so that the younger can rule over the elder. 
And you will find this to be true. I don't care what you're doing. Psychologists tell us that anyone with an obsession that the body has a unique way of supplying the necessary energy to push you into a realm to ensure that your obsessions are met. Typical example. Christmas, your son receives a train set. And you got that because you were interested in it, too. So the next night, he normally goes to bed at 8.30. But you're interested in it. And you build the table, and you start putting it together. You know full well you have to go to work, but you will work to 2 a.m. in the morning. Work the next day, and drag around, and drag around, and drag around and wish that it was bedtime, but come bedtime the next night, because you're not finished, you're working on it again. Has that ever happened to you? And after a while, you are amazed that you have all of this energy. And let me tell you something. We need to become obsessed with the idea of world evangelism and reaching the lost and put the younger man in control over the outer and de depend on God to give us the strength to see that our burdens are fulfilled. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Listen, there's some great things happening in the world. Some great things. This business about Russia, and we just signed a, as a general board a, an agreement to become a sister organization with the church in Russia. It's amazing. It's amazing what God is doing. Let me tell you something. When we get up, God gets up. When we sit down, God sits down. He wants to use me. He wants to use you. But if we have our mind on earthly things... And we're always thinking about tomorrow. And we're not doing today what needs to be done. We'll never get it done. Brother Robinson, our superintendent out in New York, gave us, a, I think, a fantastic story. He told of a young man who came to, in contact with his son. His son taught him a home Bible study. He was from Russia. The young man wanted to take the Search for Truth study, or home Bible study. I don't know if it was Search for Truth back to Russia. So he taught this young man. This young man translated it into the Russian language. The young man took it back to Russia with him when he returned. Brother Robinson received a call from his father. He referred him to Brother Hall. Brother Hall was going to Russia working on the agreement and such that we had. This young man's father is an attorney in Russia. He had requested that a copy of the Constitution of America be brought. When Brother Hall went to Russia, he met with this man. This man was being taught search for truth by his father, I mean by his son. And when he got there, he found out that this man was one of the leading attorneys in Russia. No Soviet Union now, you know. Not only that, but this man had been chosen, handpicked by Boris Yeltsin, the president, along with a group of other attorneys to rewrite the Constitution of Russia. And he had requested a copy of the American Constitution. Can you believe that right now there is a man heading up a committee to rewrite the Constitution of Russia that is being taught a home Bible study that came out of our movement. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
Well, my time is up, and I've got two or three other stories I'd like to tell. But it's break time. Let's stand, would you? Oh, God of heaven. <laughs> Let's get a hold of God right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but now. <laughs>